Hello Life Changes Church, we are in our Move Again series as we look through the book of Exodus and how God took the Israelites out of slavery, through the wilderness and into his promises. So why don't you grab a notebook and pen and enjoy this sermon. My name is Michael. For those of you who don't know me, I am one of the pastors in the life of the church. Good morning to our online crew. It is amazing to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us online. But we are in our series, Move Again. And if you uh, haven't been with us at church or you are a first-time visitor, welcome to you. But we are in our Move Again series through the book of Exodus. And we are following the Israelites' journey as they move out of slavery, as they move through the wilderness, and they are moving into the promises that God has for them. And we are going to look at the Israelites today. They are still in the wilderness, but they are at the Mount of Sinai. And Moses has gone up the Mount to get the commandments from God. And God is giving commandments to his people so that he will make a covenant with them and that they will be his people and that he will be their God forevermore. And so we are just going to jump straight into it in Exodus 20, verse 1 to 6. You can turn there in your Bibles, or it will come up on the screen behind me. So please follow as we read. It says this. This is God giving the commandments to the Israelites. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth below or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to a thousand generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that just as Mark said, that we understand that we are your sons and daughters, that you have bought us at a price, but we have an internal inheritance with you, Lord. And because of that, Lord, that we will have a posture of worship, that you will work deep inside of our hearts this morning, that we understand the fullness of your promises, the fullness of your power, the fullness of your spirit that is on offer to each and every one of us in this room and those who are watching online, Lord, that it is for freedom that you set us free, but that we will walk into that and we will declare that you are our God, Lord, and that we will serve no other things but you, that you will be the greatest treasure in our lives, and that you will get all the glory in our lives as well. Amen and amen. Amazing. So we see the Israelites' journey, and God has given this, these commandments to Israel, his people. And Moses went up the mountain, but it actually wasn't Moses who gave these instructions to the Israelite nation. It was God himself, because this wasn't Moses' law. This was God's law. He is the covenant-keeping and the covenant-making God. And he gives us promises. He gives us commandments. Why? Because we are his children, and he is our father, and he wants us to live in obedience to him. But he gives us ways to follow him, and he gives us ways to obey and worship him. See, the law is rooted in God's character. The law is really just an extension of who God is. So he gives the law to his children, not for uh, his benefit, but for our benefit, because he loves us. He is your father in heaven, and he loves you, and so he has given you commandments to follow so that we can worship him. 
See, the very first two commandments are situated in grace. It is by grace that he set the Israelites free from Egypt, and he is leading them into a promised land. So the very first two commandments are situated in grace. The first one, that we shall have no other gods, it is a commandment of who to worship, that we should worship the one true God. The second commandment, we shall have no carved idols and worship them, is a commandment about how to worship. We need to worship in spirit and truth, and we are true believers who only worship God. We don't worship other things in the world. See, God is teaching us who to worship, but he's also teaching us how to worship. God wants our hearts this morning, Life Changes Church. If you are sitting here or you are watching online, He wants your heart. He wants your life as an altar of worship to Him. And so we are going to learn this morning how to do that. See, we see this theme running throughout the book of Exodus, that the Israelites either go towards God or they go towards idols. God frees them, he uh, moves them into a land which he promises, but then the Israelites don't take out the idols like God instructs them. Then the nations overcome them. They cry out to God in desperation, help us, help us. And yes, he does, he rescues them. But time and time again, they go towards idols. They forsake the promises of God. They don't trust and rest in who God is, and they go towards other things in a foreign land. God is trying to instruct us this morning that we are just like the Israelites, and He wants our worship in full. See, He wants us to worship Him fully devoted, not just on a Sunday with checkbox Christianity, but He wants us to worship Him in every aspect of our lives, so that when we leave here and we go into our businesses, we go into our homes, we go into our families, that we will declare that we worship the one true God who is Yahweh, that we won't settle for anything less, we won't settle for anything that is not of Him, but we will only settle for the promises and the power of God on high. See, idolatry is a serious problem. The Bible says it is a serious problem. And it's not just a problem uh, in the Old Testament for the Israelites. It's a problem for us as well. The very last sentence in 1 John says this. John gives this as the very last sentence. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That is the very last sentence of his epistle. Keep yourselves from idols. This is a real reality that if we don't worship God... We're actually worshiping something else. There is no in-between. There is no middle ground. If we aren't worshiping God, then we're worshiping idols. So this morning, I want to say there are two ways to worship. We can either worship idols or we can worship altars. And we're going to get into the first way to worship idols. See, when we look at the narrative of the Israelites, we see this cycle. They go into a foreign land. God instructs them to remove the idols from the land, all those things which are part of, uh, a part of that experience and are actually not of his promises. And God is declaring, remove those things because they will, uh, they will um, show you something that is not of him. But we need to remove those things and we need to follow God. See, we need to go into a foreign land and he is saying that we are aliens in a foreign land. The Bible calls us aliens. And what does God instruct us to do? If we are an alien in a foreign land, we need to not worship idols. We need to worship the one true God. 
And see, God gives us clear instructions. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He wants your attention and he wants your affection this morning, Life Changes Church. See, an idol is anything which is the object of our worship. An idol is anything which takes our attention, takes our affection, takes our time and energy away from God. See, idols can be very real in our lives, and they can even be good things. They can be God-given things. They can be a job, which is a God-given blessing at first. It is a way that He provides for us. But the more and more we give time and energy to our job, and our life becomes about work, and about wealth, and about getting more and more, and we start putting God to the side, and our heart starts to shift towards that thing, and that thing becomes our provider, rather than the provider who had provided the job in the first place. We are living in a time of idolatry. We we need to be careful that actually we are worshiping God. On a Sunday, we worship God. We declare with our mouths, Jesus, I follow you. But our lives dictate something different. There are idols in the background. And I am speaking to my own heart this morning, but I'm speaking to all of us because the Bible warns us against idolatry. Idolatry is part of the first and second commandment that God gives his children. He wants you to live in fullness. He wants you to live in his promises. So we need to be aware of this because he wants you to experience his fullness. There's a man called Herbert Schlossberg, and he's actually a CIA agent, very cool guy, but he wrote a, a bunch of books about idolatry, and he was a believer in Christ. And in the midst of wartime, in the midst of all of this, he stood out as a Christian, and he says this about idolatry. Anyone with a hierarchy of values has placed something at its apex, something at the top, and whatever that is, is the God he serves. The Old and New Testaments call such God idols and provide sufficient reason for affirming that the systems that give them allegiance are religions. Whatever is at the apex of our lives, whatever is our highest value, is the God that we serve. Is that the one true God this morning, Life Changes Church? See, God has taken uh, the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, but they also need to take Egypt out of their hearts. See, they lived in a land that was full of idols. For 400 years, they were surrounded by a culture. They were surrounded by an environment that served Pharaoh as God. He was God in their midst. And he created a statue so that the Egyptians would uh, worship him as an idol and as a God. They saw idolatry every day and every moment. And they had been set free from Egypt. But all that was still in their hearts. And God is trying to rip that out them and say that they are sons and that they are his children and that there is a different way of worship. This morning, there is a different way of worship. Life changes church. See, worship is a heart devotion to God, and it's something that we need to be fully devoted in. See, we become more like the environment around us. What we worship, we become like. Very simple. What we give our time to, what we watch, what we give our thought life to, what we do during the week, we become like. What we worship, we become like. Are we worshiping God? Are we becoming more like Him? Is He taking us on a journey from slavery through the wilderness into His promises? Where are you at this morning? See, this is all of us. This is me. John Calvin, one of the fathers of Reformed faith, says this. Man's nature, so to speak, 
is a perpetual factory of idols. Man's nature, man's heart is a perpetual factory of idols. We are living in a society today where Christianity is no longer the mainstream. It is no longer cool to be a Christian. It is no longer part of our family system to be a Christian. So we are aliens in a foreign land. We need to be aware of how the world works, of how the world's belief systems are. Are we um, attributing our belief systems to what the world says or to what the word says? See, we are foreigners in a land, and unfortunately, we live in a culture which offers us all the benefits of Christianity without any of the strings attached. See, we want all the blessings of God without the all-encompassing worship of God. I'm going to say that again. We want all the blessings of God without all the all-encompassing worship of God. See, we want to be blessed. We want to be favored. We want healthy and full lives. But actually, our lives do not want to worship Him in every aspect. See, He is calling for our worship this morning, Life Changes Church. There are two ways to worship. Either we can worship Him or we are worshiping idols, and the two are incompatible. We cannot worship God and worship idols at the same time. See, He's calling for our lives. He wants us to be fully devoted to Him, not just half devoted, not on a Sunday, not when we're in worship and the music is in the background. He wants us fully devoted to His promises, fully devoted to His plans, and fully devoted to His purposes over your life. See, the Bible is full of this, and the Bible keeps on warning us time and time again that idols can steal our attention from God. It says this in Ezekiel 8, and God gives Ezekiel, one of the prophets, a picture of how bad idols are. He says this, it's going to come up behind me. And he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall, and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. So I went in and saw, and there, engraved on the wall all around, was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. With Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them. Each had his sense in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. What are you worshiping this morning? What is your room of pictures? What are you trying to keep in the dark? What are you trying to keep anyone from seeing we come on a Sunday, we say, God, have your way, get all the glory, but then we go and we want to keep that thing. We want to give our time and our energy to relationships that don't actually align with His Word. We don't want to tithe because we're afraid that we won't have enough. We don't want to, we have racism and prejudice in our heart. We come on a Sunday and we say, God, have your way, but actually we have rooms filled with pictures, rooms filled with things that are not of Him. See, maybe these are things which consume your thought life. Maybe they're things that are happening right now in the background. I want to say God wants you fully devoted. 
He wants all of your worship. And this is me, guys. I'm not preaching this as someone who is condemning us. I'm telling us that God is greater, that His grace is greater, and He can free us from this. And when we present ourselves as altars of worship to Him, He will work wonders. But this was my story. I went in search of seeking something better. I grew up in the church. I grew up reading my Bible. I grew up going to kids' church, and I loved it. But over time, I, grew, I went on a journey of seeking something different. I wanted something more. And so when I got into my first relationship, we said that this was a gift from God. We were both Christians and we both worship Him. But slowly but surely, we engaged in sexual relations with one another. We would still go to church on a Sunday. We would still declare His promises over the relationship. But our hearts started drifting further and further away from Him. Then I went to college, and I suffered from anxiety and depression, and I went to medication, I went to pornography, I went to all these other things, the affirmation of others to give me some fulfillment or joy in my life, some satisfaction that only could come from Him, but I was serving other gods and looking at other idols for that. And then slowly but surely, I didn't just create an idol, I took the idol's from the environment around me. I started believing in the things that I was taught at university. I studied humanities, so I studied English, and I started learning all these things about gender studies and gender fluidity, and I did my thesis on 50 shades of gray. I'm not even lying to you this morning, Life Changes Church. I am a testament of God's grace here, amen. And I have a wife, God is good. But I went on a journey of actually my belief system became the norms of the day. What was ever accepted in society, I said, I'm going to believe in that thing. Maybe they have it correct. And my life became more and more inclusive of other people's belief, more tolerant about other people's ways of doing things, but it excluded the promises of God and the Word of God. See, and eventually I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped going to church. I did not believe that God was real anymore in my life. Why? Because it is incompatible to worship God and worship idols. See, if we are not moving towards God, we are moving towards idolatry. There is no middle ground here, life changes. There is no middle ground, and we need to respond and say, which side of the line am I going to be on? Am I going to worship God in spirit and in truth, or am I going to give myself to cheap imitations that will never fully satisfy you? He wants your worship, but He is going to give you His promises as well. There's a, there's a preacher in Australia, and he says this amazing statement. Mark says, we want all God's blessings without submitting to His loving rule and reign. We want progress without His presence. We want justice without His justification. We want the horizontal implications of the gospel for society without the vertical reconciliation of sinners with God. We want society conf to conform to our standard of moral purity without God's standard of personal holiness. We want the kingdom without the king. That statement shook me when I first read it. Do I want the kingdom without the king? Do I live my life doing all the spiritual things, going to church on a Sunday, reading my Bible, but in reality, there is no king over my life. I do my own thing. I create my own moral standards. I create my own belief systems and ways of doing things. I create my own... Um, provision by my ability, by my strength, but there's no king over my life. 
He wants you to worship Him this morning, Life Changes Church. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. See, we do this time and time again. And what did the Israelites eventually do? We've got to jump a little bit ahead to Exodus 32. Spoilers here. They do it again. They create a golden calf. Why? Because Moses had gone up to the mountain, and they thought that he had gone AWOL. They could not find him anywhere, and they could not see God moving again. So they said, Aaron, make for us a God who would go before us. That is a golden calf. That is an idol. That is a cheap imitation of God. And we do this time and time again in our lives. When we don't see God moving, we go towards something else. When we don't see breakthrough in our own timing, we go towards something else. Do not go towards cheap imitations, Life Changes Church. There is no kingdom without the king. And spoiler, you are not the king of your life. There is only one king in heaven, and he has conquered death. He has conquered your sin, and he is calling you this morning. There are two ways to worship, idols or altars. See, the second way to worship is by presenting our life as an altar of sacrifice to God. See, not just on a Sunday, not just in a form of checkbox Christianity, but when we come to God and we will say that, God, have your way in my life, altars are a form of sacrifice to God. See, God used altars in the Old Testament as a way of external worship. It was a way that he saw that his people loved him and that they were willing to set aside things and come before him and trust him as their God and him as their provider. See, an altar means to kill in the Hebrew language. And we need to come before God and we need to put to death everything that is not of him. And we need to say, Jesus, will you have your way in our lives? You are the greatest sacrifice and I come before you and my life will be an altar of worship. See, we can choose to build altars of worship to God. We can choose to remember God's promises and remember God's ways. An altar was a place of meeting with God. It was remembering a God encounter. Not just a God encounter one day when back in your past. No, we want God encounters each and every day before the presence of the Lord. And our lives become altars of worship unto Him. And that when the world looks at us, they see the God Yahweh in our lives. That our hearts don't go towards idolatry. It goes towards worship of the King of kings in heaven. That when they look at you in your businesses, they see God. When they look at you in your families, they see God. When they look at you and how you are navigating your relationship, they see God. See, there are two ways to worship, either idols or altars. And so altars speak to a God encounter. It speaks to a different way of living. And he wants that from you this morning. See, I'm not just speaking about a physical altar. I'm speaking about something in our hearts. Where do our hearts go to? On the mountaintops, in the valley moments, in every aspect of our day, where does our heart go to? Does it go towards full, full devotion towards Him? Does it go towards worship of Him? Or does it go towards other things? What is taking most amount of your time right now? Think about it. What is at the apex of your life, your value system? Is it God or is it something else? See, when I'm depressed, 
depraved, despairing, defeated, when I have all that I need or lack everything that I desire, I need to worship him. When I am lonely, when I am in private, when I am going towards that sin that I cannot say no to, I need to worship him. When I am in my family, when I am in my home, when I am in my school or my workplace, I need to worship him. God wants you to worship him in every aspect of your life. He wants you to worship him in every moment, in your thought lives, in the way you act, in the decisions you make. He wants you to worship him, Life Changes Church. There are two ways to live. Either we worship idols or we build altars of sacrifice to worship God. See, he wants you fully devoted. And we can build an altar of sacrifice. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. See, he doesn't want us to worship other images. He wants us to worship the one true image of God, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus leads us towards the Father. Jesus came to this earth to glorify the Father in heaven. And in Jesus rests the way to worship God. See, when we come before Jesus and when we present ourselves and go, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my ways, in my thought life, in my family, in my marriage, in my business. I need you, Jesus. I set aside other things that I have given my energy to. I set aside other things which I have given my thought life to. I set aside other things which are not of you and not of your word. I need you, Jesus. That's when our lives become an altar of sacrifice unto him. That's when we begin to worship him in spirit and truth. And we say, Jesus, have your way because you've shown us the Father and you can only point towards the Father because you came to glorify Him and you were the greatest sacrifice that there ever has been and there ever will be. See, we need to worship Him and we need to build our lives on the truth of the gospel, Life Changes Church. That means that when scandal hits the church, you won't be rocked. Your belief system won't be rocked and it's not built on the words of a preacher or a spiritual moment. It is built on the Word of God and Jesus Christ. That means that when pandemic hits, you don't go towards yourself and go towards isolation. You stand on who God is. That when the church closes its doors, you still stand worshiping the God in heaven. See, we are called to worship God. We are called to live a different way. And God reveals the way to worship Him. He reveals His truth in, uh, to us through His Word. He reveals His truth to us through His Spirit. We can either choose to worship idols and build our own belief systems, or we can come to God and allow Him to show us how to worship Him. Can we stand this morning? See, the Christian life is this perpetual roller coaster of discovering our sin and the remnants of Egypt in our hearts and our devotion to lesser gods and our devotion to idols. And we need to ask Jesus for His Spirit and His power. And then we go on rediscovering the remnants of idols in our hearts and where we have given our time and our affection to other things. And we need to come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, we need Your Spirit and we need Your power. Show us how to worship Your Father in heaven. Time and time again, the famous British poet says this, William Cowper, the dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. 
with all eyes closed this morning. There are two ways to worship, idols or altars. There's no middle ground. See, idolatry comes into the church when we think that we can live a spiritual life, but on the other side, we do all the things that don't align with His world, don't align with His word, and that we live according to the world rather than according to His word. And we want to keep things aside. We want to keep things hidden. And we don't want them to come to light. Because what if someone sees? What if someone knows my sin? But God is watching. God sees the elders of Israel build idols in secret. And He wants your life fully devoted to Him. Thank you so much for watching and listening. That was an amazing sermon. And we love seeing what God is doing in and through our lives as we move through the book of Exodus. So, if you'd like to find out more or give the rest of the series a watch or listen, head over to our website, follow us on social media, and get connected. We'll see you soon.